Welcome back, everybody. Very exciting, very exciting show that we have tonight. It's episode number 97, man. Coming up on a hundo, on a big old hundo uh, of low-value mail on this February 27th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. And joining us today, we have Charlie Robinson from the Macroaggressions Podcast. He's also the author of The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire and The Octopus of Global Control, and who will be joining us very shortly. Before anything, please like and subscribe to this stream if you're watching it on YouTube or on Rumble, or if you're listening to it. Just do one of the things that every podcast invariably asks you to do. Um, our guest who was supposed to be on tonight, shout out to Charlie for, for uh, stepping up last minute here. Uh, Lou Ferrante, my fault, by the way, everybody. He didn't, he didn't, uh, it, was, it was actually, there was some miscommunication, and I guess I had not confirmed that he was going to be on tonight. So he'll be on, I think, in two weeks from now. Uh, so do not worry, people in the chat saying he was whacked. Was, uh, did not happen. He was not whacked. Um, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Patreon.com slash low value mail. Or um, you can join the channel. That that also helps. As you can tell with my little uh, scheduling snafu, I could use a producer. I could really, really, really use a producer. And you could help me do that and also make the show longer. I think it's a win-win, but it's up to you. Uh, also, a few little housekeeping notes. I, after much decision and consternation... I was going back and forth with keeping the live streams up, taking them down. They will be staying up. It turns out that it didn't really make any much of a difference for whatever reason. So I'll just leave them up because a bunch of people were complaining. And uh, last thing I want to do is deal with your goddamn complaints. Uh, next week we have on the show Harry Cooper from Shark Hunters International. Who I messaged, or I mentioned on message. I mean, I also did message him, but what do you care about that? Obviously, I had to have messaged him in order to book him. Um, he's an investig. He, he's a, I guess he's. A, I don't. I don't know what he technically. He's basically the guy who investigated uh, Hitler and has evidence that Hitler did not kill himself in the bunker, but in fact died of old age in South America. I think that's what the the prognosis is. Um. So, anyways, that's good. I'm pretty pumped about that. We're back with an all new episode of The Bathhouse tomorrow night, 10:30 p.m. live from the Stand Comedy Club Green Room. We have uh, Nate Marshall, Andy Malfarina, one uh, open slot at the moment. Who we'll see who fills that bad boy. And I know Slav Legion of Skanks is on right now with Shane Gillis, the season guy or whatever. I can't do anything about that. All right. I, I cannot do anything about that. Thankfully, it's behind a paywall. So I don't know how many of you guys have gas digital uh, memberships, but I don't. I, got, I love gas digital. So if you want to go watch that, go ahead. It's not going anywhere, though. I'll tell you that much. What? So you can go chat it with the fucking cluck with the hens that you saw live. This is actually live. That's a pre tape. Um, and. I have some comedy shows coming up this weekend. I'm going to be in Phoenix slash Scottsdale, Arizona at the House of Comedy. Derek Drescher is going to be joining me, um, headlining there. I'm going to be in Saratoga Springs, Fairfield, Connecticut, Dallas, Minneapolis, uh, and Hamilton, Ontario, actually, 
Uh, I just added that uh, like an hour ago. Hamilton, Ontario, April 19th and 20th. And also Edmonton and Vancouver. Okay, one thing before I get started, before we bring our guest on. Okay, so uh, I, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm not necessarily leaving it up to you, but I'm just going to take a, I'd like to take a poll, which I will put a poll up. So uh, some of you watch The Bathhouse, some of you don't know, maybe don't ever watch The Bathhouse. It's a very funny, fun comedy show, uh, live call-in show that I do on Wednesday nights. I can't start that show until late because we record the boys cast all day and just the way it works out is it can't really start until the 10 30 p.m time i'd like to make the show longer the only way i can do that unfortunately is by moving it to tuesdays at 9 p.m to make it like a two-hour show and then moving this show low value mail my sweet sweet baby to mondays so i'm just going to put a simple poll up it's going to be a yes or no. You let me know what you think. The The downsides are that this show was now on Mondays, but then you don't have to go up against Legion of Skanks. Uh, the upside is more bathhouse. So I'm going to put that poll up uh, shortly. But in the meantime, let us bring on our guest. Uh, hold on. Let's do this. One, two, and Charlie, are you there? Nope. Yep. Charlie, are you there? I'm here. Charlie, yes. welcome. Hold on. I got to change my... I'm so bad at this, man. You think after fucking 97 episodes... Do, All right. You do need a producer. Oh, man. It's, it's just so much. It's just so much rattling around. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm very Thanks. excited for this. I've, I've spent the last uh, couple hours listening to uh, some of your podcasts. Oh, I'm and, sorry uh, to hear that. No, 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 no. You're not Canadian, are you? Nope. Oh, okay. I'm in Denver. You're in Denver. Okay, very nice. I'm actually going to be, I don't think it's open to the public. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm going to be, I don't know how I landed this, but I will be moderating the uh, libertarian presidential debate in Colorado, uh, no in, outside of Denver, in uh, Colorado Springs. I don't know if, it, I think it's open to the public. Anyways, I'll be there uh, March say like 19th or something march 20th we're gonna have to heckle you yeah, yeah come out I, i'm not doing yeah. comedy though that's the thing they they're like do you want to moderate this and i was like okay well, that's what you say yeah yeah i mean hey i think with the way we figured it out is i'm gonna kind of be the straight man on this thing too or uh, yeah i'm gonna be the straight man i think i don't know i have no idea i've never moderated that's funny. any well, anything they, they... They need it. They need somebody to mess with them, though. Yeah, so yeah. Feel so, free to but it should be fun. Things. I don't know if it's like in a barn or something. I assume it'll be in a frozen. Oh, it should be. Yeah, that'd if be it, fitting. On brand for the. I've seen some libertarian stuff. It's usually in a yeah. uh, barn. But anyways, so uh, thank you for joining me. I'm uh, pretty excited for this. So you are a podcaster. You host the Macro Regressions podcast. Yep. Uh, and you're also um, an author of the cold control. Your most recent book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, which is what I'd like to talk to you about because you seem to have yeah. not only strong opinions, but actually will, you you seem to have it backed up with the receipts, yeah. as, as as the kids say. You don't seem too pumped about this. Well, I mean, I've never wanted to be wrong about something so much in my life. You know what I mean? When when you when you get objective and you take a look at the state of uh, of the world in general and America in particular, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to deny that there is there are some massive problems. And then you start to take a, a little deeper look because it feels a little, you know, a little so obvious that almost is it made to happen? Am I supposed? You know, are you? 
you, you can't be this incompetent accidentally. This has to be sort of intentional, right? Sure. And so if it's intentional, then what are the ramifications of that? And I wound up, um, I wound up talking to Jeff Berwick. He, he runs a, a show called, uh, uh, or he, he has a company called the dollar vigilante and the crypto vigilante. And these are just like financial services, uh, newsletter companies. And, and he had, does some pretty popular walk and talk videos where, you know, and, and I went on to promote my first book, The Octopus of Global Control, back in 2018. And he said, uh, when we got done recording, he said, "You want to, you want to write a book together?" And I was like, "I mean, maybe, yeah. What do you have in mind?" And he said, he made a comment and he said, um, "It's all coming down." And I was like, "What do you mean?" You know, like, and he's like, "You know, like the financial system, it's a house of cards." And I was like, "Oh yeah, of course." So in my mind, I'm thinking coming down like a like a controlled demolition. And so he, he said, I've got an idea for it. And he sent it over to me. And I thought about it for a while. And I, I couldn't get it out of my head what he was talking about when he was saying it's all coming down. And so I said, what if we did this? What if we made it like the way you would take down an actual building? I lived in Vegas for 10 years and you know, the way you take down a casino, right? Um, and, and the very meticulous way of doing that. And, and we sort of overlaid that and made it a metaphor for how you would take down the American empire much like the, how the Soviet Union went away, but Mother Russia remained, sure. sort of talked about the case for the American empire falling away, but the United States remaining in some fashion. So we talked about chapters like rotting foundation, pre-weakening of the building, identifying the support columns, rigging the detonators, asking who wired the building, you know, ringing the alarm bells, pushing down the plunger and clearing the debris and sort of made these connections about how, how, you know, you would pre-weaken the building uh, of a high rise by going and finding these really small joints and cutting them in advance so that you would use less explosives. We kind of made the same comparison of how you would gut America by things like NAFTA, like Clinton signed in the nineties, which was like lighting a 30 year fuse on the American economy, just completely gutted it, outsourced everything to China and, and Mexico and wherever. And so you start to kind of make the case that, um, that this stuff isn't intent and isn't accidental. It's intentional. And, and that, that if you're, if you're going to have this dream, this fantasy that these lunatics have of a world government, and they do, it's not my speculation. They talk about it openly. But if you're going to do this, you can't have superpowers in your way. And so the Soviet Union fell in 91 and the American empire has been slated for destruction and they're hollowing us out culturally. I mean, you guys do, you know, I mean, you guys are already you're all over this in in your realm of comedy where you see sure. the just preposterousness of it all. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so obvious you can't help but notice it and you feel like you're being culturally gutted while yeah. being financially gutted. Right. And then you see these bullshit wars that are going on and you go, I mean, you know, at some point it's got to go our way, right? If it was just random luck of the draw, it's got to go our way. And yet it doesn't. Every single time you see the Southern border, you go, you, you have, you left the Southern flank, but you molest people that fly in from, from Tokyo and make them go through full screenings. But yet the, what are we doing here? You know? And so when you recognize it, then it, then you start to go, Shit, like, is this part of the humiliation ritual? Like, am I supposed to see this? Is this sure. part of the, the thrill and, for them is to get uh, to get off watching us 
figure it out like uh-oh. Or, or maybe it's just them doing it's just being done in so, such plain sight that you're just kind of thinking this is just how it's going to be huh it, it's hidden by the by your own incredulity that you just can't believe hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply that something like this would be right out in the open and yet you watch guys like donald rumsfeld come up and like with a straight face talk about how 2.3 trillion dollars can't be accounted for and then mistakes were made and we're charting a course forward and you're like what what do you how we got all day i got all day to go find the 2.3 trillion dollars let's talk about that oh you can't because you know right they covered that up so so you know it's just you you recognize these things and you put enough pieces together and it starts to kind of kind of paint a picture. And that's and that's what Berwick and I uh, put together with controlled demolition. You know, we didn't mean for it to be an instruction manual. We didn't really we didn't need to tell these people how to do it. We we were just kind of witnessing what they were doing and, and how they were going about it and laying it out in a format that seemed kind of logical. And I think people connected with it. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't want it to be true. I don't want it to, I live here. I want what's best for uh, all of us, but I, it's undeniable. We have a problem. And then it's like, you know, like the, the, the Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Like the first step is recognizing you have a problem. We still, we're, we're living in a, a country with everyone is in, complete denial about yeah. where we are. And I okay. think that's really dangerous. So question one, and there's a question we ask quite a bit on this, the show, who is they? Yeah. And why? Well, it's they, they is, uh, well, you can make a case that it's inter multi-generational inter- international banking families. That's sure. a big group of it. Yeah. I would say if you wanted to find like a brand name group of some really dangerous bad guys, the committee of 300 would be a good place to look. I'd say that is, uh, you know, it's not limited. If this were a Venn diagram, there'd be a lot of overlap, overlapping United Nations is d- deeply involved with this. They were started by the Rockefeller family. They have, the, you know, so it's it's not it's not one homogenous group, but it is a consortium of different families and, and industries 
that have a vested interest in centralizing power into their hands, of course. And, right. and, and they'll use whatever sort of nonsensical uh, excuse to, to do that. Uh, the, there's too much car carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, or there's a virus that's going to kill you or whatever, or there's terrorists around every corner, whatever they can do to scare you and put you into this, this frame of mind where you're, you're looking at more of short-term thinking as opposed to long-term thinking, then they capitalize on that and slowly and incrementally through fear and media manipulation, take a little bit more of your rights each time. You almost wind up giving them away sure, uh, because you're so scared. And then the next thing you know, and you just don't get them back. You, or if you get them back, you don't get them back at the rate that you gave up your rights at. Or, so, you, or you don't get them back in the same version you... You get them you back lost. as privileges, right? You know that can be revoked or licenses that you need to go renew or something like this. You know, it's so they 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 operate under the motto of never let a good crisis go to waste, and also in the absence of a crisis, make one. Yeah, because they're real convenient. I mean, they don't cost a lot, and you can create them. And 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 the you know, it's a there's a strategy to it. And there's a strategy towards uh, towards recognizing it as well. And the more you kind of see it, and the more you recognize, you go, "Oh, that's, they're not super creative." When you when you look at them, they all kind of run the same play. Over, you know, it's handoff to the running back almost all the time until you figure it out, and then they're forced to change their play. But they they it's not real high level thinking. Sure, and, the and, general public doesn't think to to know to be suspicious about a lot of this stuff until you get these big events like JFK or nine eleven or COVID, and then all of a sudden people start going, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Something's not adding up," and then they start asking questions. So that's kind of where yeah. we are now. And and is there anything that can be done to counteract it? Because sometimes I feel like you know there's this element of just throwing your arms up and saying, you know, even if you like, it, would it take every person in the country knowing that it's going on to even nope. change that. No. And in, in, in fact, the, I guess the, should I light the, myself on fire? It's you on the table. Not, not yet. Okay. Save that. That's your ace in the hole. Okay. That's, that's the, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jail, uh, final move, but, uh, they, they, I, I think that, uh, I mean, the statistics show that you don't need 51% of the general public to figure something out. You need something like 12%, some very, very small number. I don't know. Some statistician came up with it. I read it somewhere. Maybe it's not even true. But the point is that you don't need as many people as you think you need. You need like the early adopters. You need the people that are really frustrated and, and, and saw this stuff a, a, a while ago. And now, and we sort of have this opportunity. I mean, are you, in the alternative media where you've got a lot of people that used to like the mainstream and used to connect with that. And, you know, didn't know that Rachel Maddow was, was, was lying to her, to her audience on an industrial scale. Like they did never even occurred to them, but now they're starting to figure that out. They, they still want that, information. That would arguably have been their biggest weapon was the trust in just, you know, media. Uh, the the conditioning of of just conditioning is that turn on the TV. These are some channels. The studios look nice. They they spend a lot of money. It's got to. It must be important if they spend a lot of money. They make a lot of money. It must be important. 
Th- those are some real assumptions that the general public has has been making too. Has has been that their media is telling them the truth. And and one of the things that I I'll point out to people is that you know they talked about like how Obama never had a bad you know never had a scandal or he wore a tan suit one one time and that was a big deal. But he passed something called the Smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012, which which nobody even thinks of really because the original Smith Munt Act was back at, right after World War II. It said we can't use propaganda in America on Americans. It's a bad idea. We saw what the Germans did. We're not doing that. We can still use it on other people, but we're just not going to use it on ourselves. Everyone said that's a good idea. Or let's not do it. Obama came in and said, "Remember how we weren't going to use propaganda on our own people? Well, I've decided to change that." I've decided to make it so that we can use propaganda on our own people. We're just going to call it, it's just going to be information sausage with like lies in there. And then good luck to you figuring out where, what the truth is and where the lies are. And that's been in, in place since 2013 when it got passed in the National Defense Authorization Act. And it only got passed because he crammed it in with a bunch of other stuff. It's deeply unpopular, but it legalized lying by our media. And, <laughs> you and when you I mean? say and legalized lying... That, yeah, when you say legalized lying, it just prevents them from being sued for... Because, right. of course, right, we would never pretend like lying in the media didn't exist before 2012. Sure. Of course, of course. But, of course. But, but, you know, so so again, they, they, they took the extraordinary step of legalizing it, I would suggest, because they intended to use it, mm-hmm. right? Why would you go and change the law to legalize propaganda if you weren't planning on using some and propaganda? And it, is stuff? it explicitly say propaganda? Like, what is the actual wordage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wording, it's sorry. about propaganda. Uh, yeah, you can, you can use it and they don't have to. In fact, on top of that, you wind up getting the guy who used to be the CEO of Time Magazine on a Council on Foreign Relations panel in front of live human beings and camera TV cameras and a microphone and everything saying, I frankly don't have a problem with propaganda. When I worked in the Obama White House, they used to jokingly call me the chief propagandist. At my time running Time Magazine, I think propaganda has a t- has a place and I think it's necessary and all regimes use it and we use it too. He said it in front of the camera and you're just like, oh my God, like that's supposed to be what the poor Russians dealt with in the eighties. Like, Oh, they don't even know. They're just getting lied to and Pravda and they're poor Russians. They don't even know. No, they knew they were getting lied to. The problem is that we in America, we don't, we think we're too smart to get lied to. And, and for the vast population, the kids in college, you probably can't, I mean, you can't play colleges. Can you? No, no. The co- the comedy college thing, the way it works now is like way different. Like the the people who go play there don't it's like not, nobody yeah. I know really goes and plays colleges. That's like a different yeah, thing entirely. I guess now where it used to be, yeah, like if you were a club comedian in New York City, that was just you also went and played colleges. But the nature of the how colleges have gone. I will say though, it seems like people are coming around to this. Yeah. That and I don't know if maybe, you know, they're fine with everybody not trusting the media because then they've shown so much distrust where then you can believe nothing. And that's almost equally as good to them. For sure. Right. So then I guess how how do you see this uh, playing out from where we are now? Yeah, because there's this. um 
there's this old KGB agent named Yuri Bezmenov, and he would do these interviews with G. Edward Griffin uh, back in the 70s. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. Like, the famous. They look uh... like they're on their way to Studio 54 afterwards. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he would talk about this ide- ideological subversion and how it takes like how, how you need to have like a 30 year period of it, you know, like 20, the first 15 to 20 years of demoralization mm-hmm. and then five years of destruction and then a six week crisis. And then the normalization process after that, and you start watching it and you're, and you're doing the math. You're like, all right, all the eighties, all the nineties, all the two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They've, they've had enough time to run this op on us. And it makes me feel like Yuri was onto something that they softened us up from the inside culturally. And what he was talking about was you just need enough time really for the demoralization process to get one entire generation of education all the way through college. Once you get them after college, they're properly broken. And at that point, then you, you, you lean on them a little bit harder for five years. And then you introduce a six week crisis like COVID or whatever. And then after that, he said that what they would describe it in, in the, Soviet Union is that they would have a problem in Czechoslovakia and uh, they would roll tanks and put tanks on every corner. And then they would say that the, the problem was normalized. So he says you, you, you achieve to get to a place where the problem is normalized, where nobody talks about the problem anymore. And so that is also part of this place where we are now is that you've got an entire generation of, of people that are just normalized to absurdities you know like wearing masks you see the the random person wearing a mask like in their car by themselves and you're like holy shit like you are broken yeah i mean they just been scared these are like probably somewhat neurotic people of course yeah i don't want want everybody to i don't want people to go through these psychological operations but they are operations and and when yuri yuri kind of lays it out in this clinical way and and so i really have connected with that recently because it feels like if you at least know the play they're running on you you can try to formulate some sort of defense for it or maybe get out of the way i mean but if you know that there's a there's a crisis moment and you know that there's a um, a, a process where they're breaking you. This this five year process, which is where I think we kind of are right now. I think that I think that it feels like we're in this process where everything is getting kind of turned on its head, where there's a million genders and men can get pregnant and all the in two plus two equals five as long as you can show your work and all this stuff that is just absurd and was laughable when we were back in school. Now is like actually requiring discussions and if you don't show somebody the proper amount of respect for their dumb idea then they try to get you thrown off campus or something like that and sure and the people who kind of i heard this someone said this recently which i don't know i mean it makes sense but i just maybe i never thought of it everyone who's essentially in any sort of position of power right now has been through this whole like university system like generally you have to have gone through some school to get in any position of power. And, you know, they were all essentially set up to run you through this gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And, and, and well, school in general, I mean, it's a sorting mechanism early on, right? You have like the public schools and, and, and or appropriately, I think the government schools is what we should refer to them. And then, and, and then different schools, the smaller, more private uh, institutions that taught a different education. And when you, you get these, these oligarchs talking about 
you know, like the the Rockefellers and the Carnegies, when they're starting this compulsory schooling system, they're very upfront about like, we want one class of people to have one type of education. And then we want a very small class of people to have a, a different education. And so there's already sort of a sorting mechanism down at the bottom. And then by the time you get to a position of power, you have, you're right, you've gone through the that that school. You maybe even went to the, the correct, schools too, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, you know, these, these sort of like a little bit more in, intertwined with power between Washington, DC and wall street and places like that. You know, you, you start to find out that there's these little networks that support each other and, uh, and they have a very different way of viewing the world. I mean, you almost, I mean, I, I don't, you almost can't fault them because like their entire existence has been very curated and very specific to, to getting them to be the managerial class. And I mean, Orwell writes about this in animal farm and things like that, you know, so, so it's not some, something new it's been going on yeah. a long, long time, but you, you, you run across these, that's why you get these twats in the British parliament. You're like, have you ever interacted with a human being in your life? I mean, you guys seem so fake and, and you know, and it's like, no, sheltered. they've gone through this rigorous boarding school process. I went to boarding school myself, but it wasn't like that. It, where you, where you're groomed to become like a power broker and it's gotta be very weird. And yeah. I, just I, I sometimes do think that. about with all the stuff that's happening in schools right now. And then, you know, I think, yeah, I'd be like the guy who's like, yeah, this is all bullshit. And they're asking you all these questions and about, you know, gender or whatever. And you're like, this is all, but then they're like, well, then you fail though. Right. You know what I mean? Like with when kids are in school right now and maybe I'm sure their parents are telling, you know, they come home and they tell their parents something. And maybe the parents are like, hey, like that's bullshit. But still also you have to pretend like it's not at school because they'll fail you. Right. You have to be strategic, too. You have to teach your kids how to how to ap approach a problem like that. You go, all right, well, we have a problem. What they're yeah. teaching you is nonsense. So what do we do? Do we make a big fight about it? Maybe. But or or do we. Do, do you give them the answer that they want? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the part of me that just says you don't, uh, um, you, you, you don't give these people an inch. Right. You know, but, but again, you if you're a stand up to them every to chance say, you get. Right. But that's easy to say unless you're you know, in high school and say. your future uh, hangs in the balance. And, of, and it's of, easy of to say when you're when you're t when someone is saying i'm being pressured into taking a medical experiment against my will it's easy for you to say well then just quit you know stand up for your principles too i mean yeah a lot of people had to make some very difficult life decisions based on 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 reality not just on on how they felt like in a perfect world so it was you know and so a... you think we're coming up on this 6 week the 6 week crisis has yet to arrive it, it i mean it you know a a case can be made that one of those full generations was between nine 11 and COVID, you know, I mean, it, it kind of fit from a, from a timing standpoint in there pretty nicely with, with Yuri's uh, uh, assessment, but uh, you know, nothing is necessarily set in stone. It feels like 2024 is a very pivotal year. We've got obviously U S elections going on later this year, but, but, but worldwide, plenty of other countries are having elections. So there's a lot of turmoil. We've got, um, you know, farmers in Europe that are starting to rise up and say, this is nonsense. All these globalist ideas of cutting our carbon emissions like this, you're, you're going to starve us out. We're not interested. So you're starting to feel like the people are, are pushing back a little bit. And that's a, 
that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, these people are very dangerous. And when they get backed into a corner and they think they're losing their power, they're liable to do just about anything. So I'm 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 always a bit nervous. Um, And I'm and I but I try not to be like, you know, fearful. And I certainly don't want to like. You know, doom and gloom and everyone, because I think in the end, the the best strategy is is to just understand what the what the play is here, what these people are trying to do. And if you understand that you can plan accordingly and you won't get hurt as bad. But I, I, so I don't want people to be like scared about all these things. I just want them to be aware that like, you know, yeah. I mean, and when you say plan you accordingly, know. do you have anything specific? Well, yeah. I mean, so back to, because I often think I, I have a joke with like this running joke that I have with uh, Ryan Long where I say I have all these friends back home in Canada that's where I'm from and where we're both from who don't know what's going on at all. They just right. like they have their jobs, their families, they don't have social media. And part of me is like they're it's it's a classic like ignorance is bliss. They they just like right. don't know. And they're probably yeah, they're like, I don't know, everything's fine. But but also you know during COVID they they were very much like oh, this is stupid but just went along with it and you know I, I joke I have my one friend who maybe like five he works at a bank and like maybe five years ago or maybe not maybe like maybe four years ago four, or something like that but he was like you heard of this pronoun stuff like after right. I've been making fun of it for five years already he's like yeah it's like I think I have to put in my email signature you know it's kind of the the boiling frog I guess yeah. Yeah, I'm. I uh, a lot. You know, our friends are are waking up at at, at different rates. Everybody sort of comes to this information uh, at their own at their own pace. But it's um, it's not to be. It's not necessarily to be feared. It's just I think we just need to get honest about about uh, about where where these people want to take us. And so you know, I, I, you asked for like something practical to do. I would say re- reevaluate your relationship with your bank. That's a good place to start. It's a pretty okay. practical thing to start. And one of the reasons why I say that, I just mentioned the Smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012, which legalized propaganda. Well, there's also a new piece of legislation that just legalized bail ins for banks, not bailouts. Bailouts when the government bails out the bank, gives them money. Bail in is when the bank takes your money. That's in your bank account. And they say it's our money now. Now it's legal for them to do that anyway, because when you fill out your, when you open up your bank account, you become an unsecured creditor and they're in first position. So it's already in your contract. But again, just to make sure they legalize that. And and it goes back to that same line of thinking. I, I just have a bad feeling that they legalized it because they intend to use it at some point. And if they intend to use it at some point, that means they're going to take the money that's in your bank account that you think is your money in your bank account. So when I say reevaluate the relationship you have with your bank, maybe don't have all of your money in the bank, you know, maybe. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not licensed to give financial advice. So just, you know, do your own research and, and, and all that stuff. But like you, there's an assumption we make that the banks are rock solid. Everything's good. They're solvent. They're backed up by the FDIC. They're solvent. No, they're invested in bonds that are upside down. The FDIC is most definitely not in a good spot, but even if they were, they're only 2% of the total deposits. That's if they got through the bank, which is in first position, the bondholders, which are in second position, and then your, your account, which is in third position, you get two cents on the dollar. 
you are not protected in the bank. So knowing that you go, oh, okay, well, should I just bury my money in the backyard? Frankly, it's probably better than keeping it in a bank right now, especially like a small to mid-sized bank, the type yeah. of banks that will easily go, go under and with the federal government going, we can't help them. I would just be very. Yeah. Aware. And they kind of, I mean, they had that, what was it? The Silicon Valley bank yep. situation that they had. And, and yep. essentially that's where they had to come to the rescue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, if it hadn't been for some really connected people with Silicon Valley Bank, that bank might have fallen. And uh, and and I think the government took one look at that and they went, mm -hmm, we don't need this sort of headache. But, you know, if and the branch manager runs off with all the money out of the vault, you're going to be fine. You know, like everyone, you're going to get your, you know, the FDIC will be there for that. But if you have a systemic banking collapse, good luck. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a, that's a disaster. But then so, so again, so when people say like, what, what should I do? Just, just think about something like that as a possibility. I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to happen, but again, it's just logical. They, if they made it legal, they're probably going to do it. Yeah. And if they're going to do it, it's going to be bad for, for you. And maybe. And do you see this as like a, a central bank current, like a, a central. Uh... That's where I was going to go with it. Exactly. Yeah. Is that I could, I could envision a scenario. This is fake. I'm just making this up, but I could envision a scenario in which something like that did happen where, where the banks did, took, did the bail-in and took your money. And then the government came in and said, we're going to fix this. We're going to find out exactly how much money you had in there before. And we're going to give it to you in the form of a central bank digital currency, this or whatever, or chase bank coin right. or whatever. Yeah, Create a new it. coin in the, in the name of the bank that just stole it. And we're going to give you that. And maybe you can use that coin. Yeah, we'll be able to track everything that you do with it, where you spend it. You won't be able to buy guns or ammo or red meat or go to strip clubs or buy weed or anything like that. But, you know, whatever. It's free money. Otherwise, you'd have nothing. This bank would have stolen your money. Thank you, daddy government. So I could envision a scenario in which that is how they roll in a central bank digital currency. They steal all your money legally, mm -hmm. put you in a bad situation. You beg for a solution and they say, well, we got this coin, this new Fed coin or whatever. Yeah, backed you know, by the you know United States government, which is, you know, that's what currency is anyways right so exactly they say they're essentially replacing that uh full lines are open everybody if you if you have uh anything you want to add to the show um and just like that we have our first caller of the night uh one moment please hello hey how's it going hey what's up uh one second while we patch you through no worries and you are on with charlie robinson go ahead Hey, Charlie, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, here in New England, fucking just started to get a little bit of rain. But um, no, I was, I was just wondering, like, so the last part, because I don't, I don't know, like, um, exactly your, your take on, like, the globalist. It is like a globalist agenda, right? That you're kind of... Yeah, you, it's, it's, it's less global government and more global governance kind of, if you think of it like a global franchise where everyone's a little different, but they still sort of run it through the, the main corporate uh, headquarters and the corporate headquarters, if you wanted to get specific would be the, their plan is for the United nations to run that. And, and right. so 
that would be sort of maybe the top there with then dictating down to the the nation states themselves we've already seen the world health organization doing that with regard to uh um health policies them dictating down to the rest of the the state so that's kind of how they would do it not necessarily like every country connected under a world flag or anything like that but more like just a network of franchisees that are all on this big global reservation that's how i see it at least right okay then no that because that that makes sense uh also make kind of lines up with like things that i've like kind of watched in the past i but like it the way that it's supposed to work or, or would work not that because like you like you said like you're not saying that it would have or it's definitely going to happen or or not um like it's basically united nations if everyone kind of goes with this like one kind of move yeah. that they make yeah I mean, the it's united... essentially a one world government kind of yeah they're uniting nations into a world government. That's what, yeah. that's, that's what now I guess the problem is, is how much of it is because, you know, there seems to be pretty adversarial between certain large governments where it seems hard to envision them cooperating at that level. It, it, it's, it's not going to be a slam dunk. And these people make a lot of mistakes, too. And it's very hard to run the world. Yeah, it's a a big task and not every and everybody's got different sort of agendas. They they want different. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that that sounds extremely difficult to do. Run the whole I mean, world. think about watching people try and be the mayor of a city or anything, you know. I know. Extrapolate that to yeah. multiple armies and different currencies and all that sort of stuff. It seems yeah. it seems impossible that you could get that kind of co- cooperation, but so the, the 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 most logical way for them to get that kind of cooperation is is really in two different areas that they're going for. The first is health. We've seen that in the World Health Organization trying to position themselves as more of a global authority on health and then whatever they decide dictates down to the masses. And then the second part is climate, which is total nonsense, baloney. But they yeah, hijack no, all, the, all the things that you, all the emotional ways you feel about pollution, which is very real and a real problem and things that we shouldn't be doing. And they take all that and they say, oh, that's climate change. And it's like, no, that's pollution. That's di- that's totally different. So so well, they, they can, they you know, because they say things like, well, climate change doesn't respect national borders. Therefore, it's an international problem. And an international problem requires international solutions. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the here comes the United Nations to offer the United, you know, their their solution for for saving it because it's it's just a problem that's so much bigger than one country. It, clearly, we need them to be in charge. So they've decided that they're the boss of it. So that's kind of how it it doesn't come in the form of tanks on the street corners. It comes in the form of like social engineering, like social engineering, like through like a bunch of different kind of uh, institutions to like go down on the public over time is maybe. You got it. Exactly. Right. So you get the laws on the top half that basically start to dictate it. And then you brainwash the people at the bottom to demand it and get them all riled up in colleges. You're killing the planet. We've got 12 years to li- live and the, the, yeah. 
the polar bears are skinny and they're floating away. All that is bullshit. It's all bullshit. But it works no, really I, well yeah, because it gets you emotional, right? And then yeah. so the people demand it. And then the politicians are more than happy to supply it because it's what they wanted to supply all along. And it's got to pay our, you know, we got to do our fair share. We got to pay our carbon tax to fix the sun, you know, and it's nonsense. You right. know, it's crazy. Yeah, 100%. Uh, like, uh, all right, so I want to do um, just interject. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. So I already did so many times, so I do apologize. But, but like, uh, it seems as though, because I'm 27, um, and and also where I'm from, like, you know, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, I'm from Massachusetts. Like, like it seems it seems like those are like blue states, maybe not Rhode Island. Um, I don't even know that. But Massachusetts is a very liberal state. Everyone I know, even older than me or even a little bit younger than me, like kind of is on board with like agreeing that like global warming, that thing was kind of a hoax. Like even like people that like, you know, like it's not like a conspiracy theory. Like, so there's that. But then you were talking about the public school thing with where they, you know, that they, they kind of want to bring down like or they, or they kind of use that to like do their own like there's people I know that are younger than me and older than me, you know, slightly that agree that like, you know, public school education kind of is like, like they've put a lot of indoctrination into that, but. Oh yeah. I mean, any of my friends who have kids right now, none of them are happy about for the most part, what, what's particularly because they don't really see a way out of it. Like you see it all the time where people send their kids to private schools and they still have to deal with this shit. And you would think that that would be the kind of way around. This is assuming you had the resources that you send your kids to some school that you pay a bunch of money to. And then you go, okay, well they're not, but they're like, no, they still do that. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And, and the schools, I mean, it's even more diabolical than that because when you're some rich oligarch that's bought everything that has a price tag on it. At some point you go looking for things that aren't for sale, like this education system. So when it's in the 18, you know, late 1800s, you've got the Carnegie's and Rockefeller's and what they're thinking is, well, we need a new pipeline of workers to come in. So why don't we create the schooling system? We'll get them to believe a certain thing. We'll put them in rows of desks. We'll have them get out, come out in and out of the class when the bell rings. We'll mimic the factory almost identically to where they're going to go work for us when they get done with this. And they just put them into an assembly line, called it public schooling, but it was indoctrination. And that's what it was always meant to be. It was always meant to give you, like, put the guardrails on your education so that you, you just, as Carlin says, you're just smart enough to work the machines. So, so when you see that yeah. and then you, 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 you flash forward 100, 120 years to where what Bill Gates is doing with Common Core and you go, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a little more technical, but you're breaking these kids. Yeah. Yeah, no, not no, but here's yeah, here's here's where I disagree. Uh, Charlie, well, you you're not wrong that that was what they were trying to do. Literally, I'm 27. My I have younger friends that are like 23. Dude, every single one of them is completely based and conservative. I'm not, I know that like that, that sounds That's funny. Well, I, yeah, th- that is uh, almost uh, reactionary, essentially, right? Because it's just when that becomes the uncool thing, generally young people do don't want to do the thing that's uncool, and that's just like, objectively like uncool thing to be like well, a, not, crazy liberal right now. Well, I, 
Well, no, I hear I hear you saying it could be like oh, depend like they want to be the opposite of what the thing is right now. I disagree. I think it's um they're they're born on the internet and now they they have the memes, they have the internet, they they know what's happening in politics. They they they're smarter. Like people people think oh the youth is stupid. They've always thought that, but especially now there's this weird thing. Maybe it's just my opinion, but like they think that like the millennials and Gen Z are stupid. But like especially Gen Z is very like intelligent. I think it's because if they were born on the internet, but they're very. I don't know one person my age or younger than me, and I'm 27, so I'm barely Gen Z. And then my younger friends, like they're all conservative, but they're smart. Like they yeah. went to like university. Like, yeah, you know. Uh- I mean, I was at a show the other day, and I was just talking about some something like the election, and this like this kid who was probably like twenty. He just, uh, I think I was asking him like, "Who you're gonna vote for?" And he's just like MAGA, and he thought he was saying that to like we like I thought he, he yeah. like I, I think he thought I was gonna be like, "What? You can't say that at a comedy show?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." Like he thought he was gonna freak me out or something by saying that, but yeah, I, I see it for sure. I, I see it like in person. Oh, in person that. Uh- at a show of yours? Yeah, but like, and just like a New York City comedy club, right? Where you would think, he, and he cool. was saying that to freak everybody out in his mind. And I, I don't think people really cared that much, to be honest. Right, yeah. Well, like, I mean, I live in a small town and like right outside of Boston. Like, it's probably different, obviously. Like, um, you yeah. know, we grew you know, we're not like in the, we're not, we're kind of, we're like, we're in the woods, like, you know, but, would, know, would like pe- people out in the woods see the world much differently oh, than people big time. in the cities? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and way different set of concerns. Yeah, a whole different set of concerns. Yeah, yeah. Um, better or worse, necessarily. Just different. It's just a different style of living. You know. Yeah, Kyle, I, I got to take another call, man. But uh, thanks for calling. Take it. Oh, okay. We're gonna take another call here. One moment, please. Hello, you're on low value mail. Who am I speaking with? Uh, you got Brett. Brett, uh, one moment here. Yeah, one moment, please. We're just gonna patch you through. Cool, thank you. And by we, I mean Zoom. And Brett, you're on with Charlie. Go ahead. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Brett. Hey, Danny. Can Danny hey, hear me hey. as well? Yep, yep. We can all hear you. Okay, I got. I wrote a few things down. Do I have two minutes? Absolutely. You have even more than two minutes. Go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, I don't appreciate your phone line calling me a scrote. Sorry about that. I don't that. know. If that's, <laughs> is that a one ball or a two ball thing? I'm not really sure. Scrote? I think that's a no ball thing, but you'll have to. Uh, I'll have to double check on that. There you. <laughs> uh, hey, I appreciate you uh, liking my tweet the other day. You and uh, and Ryan, Danny, I appreciate it. No problem. Is this going to be going up to uh, Jew Gay? This is not going to be going on. That that website's too expensive. Although I got my uh, other, it turns out after all, I thought I lost my domain, and then I got an email today saying it was renewing. So I go, I guess I never did. I just forgot about it somehow. So, anyways, but no, not going up on Jew.gay, My soon to be. I'll pay domain. for it. Like it's four hundred dollars a it. year. It's not worth <laughs> it. It's not worth it for a joke. Uh, uh speaking about tweets, have. Anybody in the in your chat or you guys personally noticed like a lot of anti-Trump tweets going out by like these so-called conservatives? It seems to be really popping up on my timeline. 
I haven't seen too much of that. Charlie? No, I I've No, I've been getting a lot of people trying to sell me that everything is okay with Joe Biden though, and that's that feels very inauthentic of for the obvious reasons, but I've been getting quite a bit of that where it's like, well, actually, he's the healthiest president I've ever seen. So my timeline has been clogged up with propaganda trying to get me to feel a certain way about Biden, but I'm not getting a ton of Trump stuff, at least not right now. Okay, that kind of leads into my next question is, uh, I think it was yesterday I was on Twitter kind of late at night, and the world is absolutely falling apart with uh, Ukraine and Palestine and Russia and Israel. And now you've got talks of uh, China and Taiwan and obviously our border. Um, I'm not talking about Canadians. I think we like you. I'm not really sure about that Thank yet. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then uh, with all this going on, uh, to Charlie's point, it was all about Biden eating ice cream. What yeah. is going like? What is going on with? Is that a total psyop, or people just completely? Well, that's like his brand a bit, though. Is he's the ice cream guy, right? He's always talks about how much he loves ice cream. I think he's trying to be this sweet grandfather, you know, who just because then that way you're people aren't like, hey, you need to call for a ceasefire or this and that. He's just like, no, oh, I'm a sweet old man. Fall off my yeah, bike sometimes. That in that act is so nonsense and and so forced and so inauthentic that it's that it i can't imagine i can't even like really picture the person who that is like working on i i I guess just the like if you're a lifelong democrat and you're like i would never vote anything other than democrat that's my side maybe those people yeah i mean if he's eating ice cream he can't talk i suppose maybe that's part of it like right. you can get him in a in a in a frame where he's where he's he's not expected to I mean he's gonna have to debate Trump. Oh, so that's where destroyed. the rubber's gonna meet the road on this whole thing, right? Because he's gonna have to fake a heart attack. But that's the thing, but then he loses still. So this is yeah. gonna culminate <laughs> into something crazy where we have to literally watch him for an hour. It'll and the only time he comes out is on, on Seth Meyers, where it's completely scripted and he's eating ice cream. Like you guys said, it's his yeah. it's his M.O. And it's the fact that pe- there are obviously people that are that are eating it. Uh, no pun intended. I mean, ice cream is um, delicious. I, I don't want to I don't want to turn this show into some sort of show no, where we're slandering ice cream. No, no, never. I would never do that. <laughs> but I don't appreciate him muscling in on my. My territory, I love, I appreciate ice cream too. And I don't like right. him uh, trying to corner the market on it. A dirty old pants. It was weird that he was like... on Seth Meyers of all shows though. I did find that odd when they go, he's just going to like, Seth Meyers is on at 1230 or something. And as far as late night shows goes, I think it's in dead last. Years. I haven't heard his name in a few years. I'm pretty sure that show is in dead last in the ratings of all late night shows. It, it, well, that would be was, my guess. I mean, well, if you're watching it, you're you're probably questioning your life decisions as well, and maybe you're 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 more susceptible to vote for. If you're watching like Seth Myers, you would never vote for anybody other than the Democrats. Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah like you true. already have like that's your base at that point. Yeah, but it seemed very odd. Did, to me. did you guys see? Did you see the clip with uh, when he was talking with uh, Taylor Swift was 
uh, Seth Meyers. Did you guys happen to see that part? I did not. Apparently, that's been scrubbed. What happened? So, chat, look that up. Look up uh, Biden talking about. Well, uh, we we got an after show, actually. We got an after show uh tonight at 11 o'clock so we'll we'll pull that up on the after show everybody can join yeah you, you should you got, i think you got to really dig for it uh can i say two more things yes, one more ahead. question and then one one yeah. last comment yeah uh, charlie you you mentioned the fatherland earlier with russia i think germany's known as the motherland i know ships are known as she's what would you call america going into world war three if you're a commander would you say uh alphabet land or Spaghetti-o-land, or would it be motherland or fatherland? Well, you can't say mother and father anymore. Those words have actually been banned in the House of Representatives uh, three years ago. They passed legislation so that you cannot use those terms. And I'm not being funny either. I'm being 100% serious. So we couldn't use motherland or fatherland. Those words are, are now discriminatory because they describe a family. Which is crazy. So it's going it's going to have to be Alpha Alphaville or I like um, Alphaville's pretty solid. Alphaville Chadland. I mean Pro- problem I mean, is there's I mean, already a country called Chad. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But, uh Tiazland, maybe? Chaz, Chop. Oh, that's already taken. No, those, are already, <laughs> those, those are taken, and none of those worked out particularly well. So no, they didn't. They did. The guy, that poor bastard that was trying to grow tomatoes on this uh, on this discarded pizza box with some potting soil on it. He was like, "I've been watering it for days," and some like naked vagrant comes and just kicks it over. I was like, "Oh." I mean, the crazy thing is about growing tomatoes during that whole thing. Well, that was obviously such a wild time. But you're like, how long do you plan on being here for? That you're, for one tomato? You <laughs> that you're lay, putting crops down? Like, Yes, yes. In the middle of, of Seattle. That, yeah, that yeah. It, please crazy. invade us. Um, all right, Brett. I got to let you go. Thanks, man. Uh, okay, let's take another call here. Hello. You're on Low Value Mail. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Eric from California. Eric. Eric from California, one moment, please. And Eric, you are on with Charlie. Go ahead. Hey, Danny Polishucker. Yo. All right. <clears throat> well, I just wanted to touch on uh, uh, kind of the election stuff that you guys were just talking about with Biden. And what do you think are the odds that he just hides and doesn't end up debating? He would have to have such a lead. I mean, he'd have to do exactly what Trump just did, right? Which is Trump's like, I don't need to debate anybody. Nobody's coming for me. Right. So I'd say low. You think so? He's he's doing pretty well in the polls, and he always does better when when he isn't seen or heard. Sure, but he'd have to be like he'd have to have a twenty point. I mean, again, Hillary Clinton was a ninety nine percent chance to win based off of like that five thirty eight thing or whatever. So uh I don't know. I mean really their best chance is Trump is like in jail or some shit. Right. That I don't think he could Yeah, like if Trump's in jail and he's like, yeah, Trump can't debate me because he's in jail. Well, that's what that's what I was thinking might be part of their strategies is that is that they say, look, we don't want to debate this guy that's under all these investigations. We don't want to give him the platform because he's a criminal. I mean, it's still a presidential debate like race. 
but maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you would hope, but uh, you never know. Well, what do you think about that, Charlie? I, well, I think that they despise and and have no respect for the general public at all. So That's you fair, might yeah. be thinking, how dare they not even run him out there? That would be disrespectful to the public. Nobody would believe that. The general public will believe just about anything. And uh, and I could envision a scenario if they really wanted to break the spirit of the American people. And of course, we know that they want to imagine this. Biden hides from Trump for the rest of the year, d- d- doesn't debate, can't put a sentence together, shits his pants with the pope again or whatever, gets to the election, gets 82 million votes. And they just watch half the country just completely crack. Yeah. In, in, in the final humiliation to show like, we don't care what you guys do. Yeah. Don't vote. Don't vote. I don't care. We're putting our guy back in office and there's nothing you can do about. Oh, and by the way, you thought he was, you, you watch it. He's unpopular. We're going to make him get more votes. And then you get to deal with that. Oh man, that would be. It would just be soul crushing. And, and the thing is, the people on the right aren't the type to protest. To take it. it. Well, or, or not that they won't take it, but you, I don't like they just like the, the the right doesn't demonstrate in the fashion that like the left no, knows how to get no, out there, just, you know, and organize. No. Like the left ha- has that ability where they know how to really get out there. The left is very good at complaining. I will give you that. For yeah. sure. They are they are organized when it comes to airing their grievances. They 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 know how to make that. I think the right when you just push them to a little too far, they just go get the guns. Yeah. Let's let's just sort this out a different way, right. which, of course, would be yeah. a really bad idea. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the, not, that not is the worst potential that. outcome. Yeah. By, uh, yeah. by far. Yeah. Um, so. yeah, I mean, I wonder if, if Trump specifically, if he does debate Biden or when he debates Biden, if, if he's going to get some, you know, if he learned from the last one to really just lay off a bit, because th- that, that felt like did him in a bit when he went so hard and, uh, he was just like so obnoxious and so brash and everybody like, it was like, you just have to let him talk, just let Biden talk and he'll, he'll lose this thing. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your next question? Yeah. I mean, Oh well, yeah. I, I was just gonna uh, bring up too. Um, in my in my mind, I think with Israel and Ukraine going on right now, election coming up, it would be the perfect time for China to invade Taiwan amidst all all this kind of global turmoil. Yeah, and I don't know why. I mean, what would be what would be a, a better time for them? You know. I mean, people have been saying that for a while now. That especially when the Israel thing started, that you know that, that would be their their shot. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'll, so I'll be honest. I don't know enough about that that region specifically to know where they're at in in that. I don't know, Charlie. I don't know if you can speak to that. I I think that well, you're you're right. It would be a good opportunity in in terms of like a time when when they're distracted and 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 spread thin and it, from like a asymmetrical warfare standpoint it would be the smartest time to do that if you were china and you were intent on doing that but i don't know that they are i mean i think they've got their i think they're they're looking more towards not expanding i mean i think they want taiwan they've been pretty obvious that they, they they've been verbal about that 
But I think their investment in the Belt and Road Initiative is a more pressing need for them. They're they're um, building out of that over the next thirty years is is going to be going to require a ton of their resources. Their involvement in the BRICS nations, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa group that just added six more countries in the Middle East. That's giving them a whole new thing. Like they've got some real important business opportunities to capitalize on. I don't think war really makes sense for them right now. I'm not saying they wouldn't do it, of course, but, and they certainly could, but they're, yeah, I mean, they, they strike me as being a little bit more practical than that. Maybe they could take over if they could take it over from a governmental standpoint without a hot war but a hot war to me would would probably draw in some unwanted conflict it'd probably cause issues with uh, china holding u.s debt and and what that would do uh you know they'd have to make that calculation as well if if you're china i would i would let the united states collapse under the weight of its own ignorance and stupidity and money printing and yeah there might be a better time to take that shot yeah, I, sure, I remember yeah, seeing the longer game for sure. Yeah, I remember seeing a, a, an article for the Onion back when it was funny, and there was a picture of this uh, like early twenties Middle Eastern guy who was leaning back on the couch, and it said Al Qaeda determined to do nothing, sit back, wait yeah, for yeah. America to collapse under right. its own stupidity. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know what? That actually is probably the best strategy: do nothing. Just play the long Let game. these don't as as Sun Tzu said, right? Never interrupt your enemy while he's in the process of of defeating himself, right? So, so I mean, while America's printing all this money, I just stay out of the way. Yeah. Uh, anything else, caller? Uh, well, just off that thread, uh, the debt. Where where do you where do you see uh, us going with that? Are we just gonna uh, am, that, inflate that is, away? Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the context of, you know, controlled demolition, because everybody, this is the number one kind of question mark, because they just keep printing money. It it obviously is is uh, debasing purchasing power to some degree, yeah. but they're the only country in the world who are in this position where they can do this with, you know, not the effect that anybody else would have it. But everybody's like, well, certainly this has to end at some point. So, yeah what do you think that is or if that, that happens that, or... yeah that's kind of unfortunately where where you get to with these fiat currency cycles is they're only good for about 80 years maybe 100 years at max but at some point if you've got the magic printing press you do the thing that everybody does with the magic printing press you keep printing money and eventually it just becomes worth less now the dollar has a unique position because of the petrodollar arrangement with with the OPEC countries and and this uh, use of the world's reserve currency and also the SWIFT banking system. But lately, America has been doing the thing that you shouldn't be doing, which is abusing that privilege by kicking Russia off the SWIFT banking system. You, you showed that you're willing to weaponize it. We've already done that with Iran and North Korea and some other ones. But when you did it with Russia, it sent a message to everyone else like, oh, shit. U.S. If you get on the wrong side of them, they'll kick you off this this international wire transfer clearinghouse that you've got to have. That, that, that there's really only one. Well, there was one until Russia and China built one as a workaround because they saw what America was doing. So, 
So the dollar becomes really important in this. It's kind of boring and it's banking and all that stuff. But like, I think a lot of people are very freaked out, rightly so, because they don't know what's going to happen. You keep printing all this money. You print 80% of all dollars that exist into existence just since COVID. And you don't have to be an economics major to know that that's going to be a huge problem and it's going to have uh, a ripple effect. Now, we've been able to withstand it because of our unique position. But at some point, man, that goes away. And that's what kind of what Berwick and I talked about as being something that could definitely be one of the triggers is, is a bank that has no connection necessarily to the United States empire, something a bank like Deutsche Bank in Germany. That's a bank that's teetering on insolvency. That goes down. It pulls the derivative bets that it has with all these other banks down. They start to come down. They take the small and medium-sized businesses with them, and it's a cascading effect. So sometimes, you know, I guess the just, United States solutions—they just print more, and then we'll we'll just print more to as a band-aid for all these problems and kind of kick the can down the yep. road. But eventually, you yeah, pay the think, piper. Eventually, you would have to think so. I guess what's the main? Uh, solution is just hard assets. Hard assets, right? Yeah, gold and silver and 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 productive, you know, land, productive farmland, land with minerals, water, water rights, things like that. Anything I mean, you would need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you yeah. have to sort of think like a like a paranoid prepper, kind of. You know, like what would be good in the apocalypse? Well, I mean, like what would be good if you couldn't get the things that you needed when you needed them? I mean. Kind of got like a little of that during COVID, a little, you know, toilet paper situation here and there. Um, we did not behave particularly well during no. those those times, you know? I mean, imagine when it's the last can of beans. You know, holy I shit. was actually just going through my camera roll and I found a video of, of uh, the Trader Joe's in the East Village in Manhattan, like probably mm -hmm. exactly, four, it would have been like about four years ago and a week. And I walked in there and it was like, empty like it looked like a soviet grocery store it was like there's like nothing in there i remember like jesus christ you gotta fight some guy in the frozen food aisle but it is crazy how easily beans. you can panic yeah everybody because oh, nobody yeah. would ever think that they would be participating in cleaning out a grocery store in new york city right it, and it, it was it, just like that it, and they were like yeah we're we're embarrassingly like herd animals, you know, like one of them moves and they all move. And, yeah. and, and if you're the last person to figure out that, oh, I should have some food or I should have some gold or I should just have some cash out of the bank. If you're the last person to figure it out, you're in trouble. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're waiting for CNN to tell you to get ready, it's too late. Too late. You yeah. got to be proactive on this. Um, stuff, so. All right. Thanks, caller. Appreciate it. All right. We can take another call here. Hello, you are on Hello. low value. Hey, what's up? You're on low value mail. One moment, please. Well, I patch you sure. through. Who am I speaking with? This is Dan. Dan. Hold on. And all right, Dan, you're on with Charlie. Go ahead. Oh, hey, what's going on, Mr. Robinson? Hey, Dan. Hey, what's going on? Um, I just had a quick question for you. Um, I saw something the other day. Um, uh, going, going, going back to last year when the, uh, you know, banks like Silicon Valley and uh, uh, Credit Suisse and like the middle range banks were having problems with the, um, with the interest rates and the, and the, uh, and the T-bills. Yeah. Um, and and, and had, there was a little commotion about that last year. Um, what, would, 
what it was was there some kind of like uh uh fed policy that that uh kind of uh i guess uh encourage people to t- remove their money from these banks and and uh and and push them to to bigger banks because with only a certain amount of, of big banks, the the deposit over two hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever the dollar amount was would be insured at these banks and not at uh, yeah. smaller or, or middle banks. Um, is it was that an actual uh, you know written policy or it, what, what was the deal with that? Because it, it the way it seemed to me and uh, the way someone was explaining it to it, it, it seemed like what you guys are talking about, kind of like a controlled demolition it felt like a threat to me. It felt like, Oh, you know, the big banks were saying, boy, I don't know if I'd have my money in those small to medium sized banks. You know, they're not, they're not capitalized. To, you know, I mean, we're, we're too big to fail, but those banks over there, the, they're, oof, I wouldn't want to be those anyway, have a good day. Yeah. And all everyone, everyone was like, Oh shit. They're right. Mm. Like if I'm in, if I'm at Bank of America, is Bank of America really going to fail? I mean, maybe Lehman did, but, uh, d- but, yeah. but I mean, it, I mean, frankly, it should, if you look at it, how poorly managed these banks are, but, but the, the, the logic is these big banks are sort of too big to fail. They've shown us in the past that we know they're in bed with, with the government, whereas the small and medium sized ones, I mean, they wouldn't. The big banks wouldn't mind if they if the small and medium sized banks uh, went away for the most part. It's less competition for them, and they can spook right. spook people out of those small banks and into into their banks if they wanted to. And I, and I would suggest that is what they were doing a little bit. I don't know that it was actual policy, but it was definitely okay. something like, that scared. Like wink, wink. But exactly, it was more. It was. It felt okay. like kind of like a like a threat. Like boy, it'd be be a shame if something happened to those small and medium sized banks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Nice yeah. flower yeah, shop like, you got there. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So, okay. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't an express policy. It was just, okay. People understood that they're not going to let, okay. You know, they know uh, there's a, there's a priority. Okay. There's an yeah, order as to who exactly. gets saved first in, in a scenario like that. And they know I mean, that, 2008 uh, right. proved that certain banks, uh, they're not going to let go under. Right. Right. Yeah. No, again, yeah, there's definitely precedent for that. Right. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't actual. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, they're thinking it though, whether they put it in writing or not, you know, they're, they're going to behave that way too. You know, that that that's going to be like, well, you know, we get to pick who we take care of. Well, you know, Chase and, and Citigroup and all these, uh, companies have been donating to their campaigns for a long, long time. I mean, who do you think is going to get, taken care of we know who runs the i mean they're all their friends people. right like you know the, they're all their whoever friends whoever the ceo all... of bank america is is friends with jerome powell like they're they're just friends like they're they're they just run, friends they yeah, run in the same yeah. circles that's that's where they get them from essentially right yeah yeah so but is it isn't well oh, i think i mean isn't that like kind of like fascism right yeah, yeah. The, well, it's organized the, crime the merger. yeah it's because okay. of it. yeah yeah yeah, well, it, don't, it's, don't they it's, don't they usually uh like uh you know uh define fascism as like the the merger of the the corporate and the and the state coming together, right? Isn't that like one coming of the definitions? To, coming together to benefit the state, that's fascism. Corporatism is them coming okay. together to benefit the corporation. 
and frankly, a case can be made for both because, because in a lot of these situations, it benefits both of them, both parties. I mean, they lock out all the competition for the, for the, for the banks and the government gets access to, to these corporations and gets them to do their bidding where they can't. So like, they can't tell Facebook to, I mean, they can't go into Facebook and say, block all these accounts, but they can tell someone at Facebook, you should block all these accounts. Right. So that's that's how they yeah. that's how they need that influence and in exchange then the government provides a racketeering service where they put all these additional regulations that only these really wealthy established businesses can afford and know how to navigate and it essentially keeps everybody out so it's like a mutually parasitic relationship where the government and these big businesses kind of need each other and they've got access to money that the rest of us don't have cuz the banks help out and it creates this this like class of people that's, you know, I mean, you call them whatever you want, like the predator class, if you like. But and it's any, just very, uh-huh. yeah, and any like criminal transgressions on their part end up just being some monetary fine that just comes right, out. Right. right, like right, they do something right. criminal and they go, hey, they will slap your wrist, but it's just money, and you know, it's yeah. a minor check. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost like they they slap the wrist almost just for show. Kind of, yeah, in a tip out too. You know what I mean? I mean, they pay the fine that goes to the the state, to the general fund, or wherever, and that gets used for some uh, other things. It's kind of like at the end of the night, you tip out your barbacks, and then you go home. Yeah. So like they tip right. out their government, and then they go home. So it's, it's it's just a form of organized crime. It's just that because it's on in Washington D.C. and it's out in the open and in front, and you you vote for these people, it it maybe feels a little bit different, but. Whitney Webb did a great job of this in the first volume of One Nation Under Blackmail, where she sort of draws these parallels between actual mafioso organized crime in New York and what was going on with the local government in New York. And it was like, oh, okay. there was no difference between them. They all hung out together. They went to the same parties. There, The only difference was that one of them was deemed to be respectable. Their enforcement arms were were different, essentially. Right, exactly. But similar, but just... Similar, but different. Similar styles, but different uh, agencies. Yeah, exactly. Is is there like a a, a phrase or a word that describes uh, what what you just described now? Or is it... Do do we have a word for this? Or other than racketeering or... Corruption. Organized crime? Corruption? Is Is there like a... A political science term for this, or because, like you said, well, I mean, fascism is a good one. You you said fascism. Fascism is acceptable, you know, because it definitely does benefit the state, Um, but it doesn't just benefit the state. You know, the corporations don't get involved unless there's something in it for them as well. So, so because they they get a little something out of it, it just depends on. You know, it's just it's gotten so normalized that people just think it's just the way business gets done at the highest levels. And the truth is, it's it's not how it's supposed to be, but that's how it has become um, because mm-hmm. we've got a corrupt media that 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 puts the spotlight elsewhere and says, oh, you have to worry about this. But don't worry about these. Don't worry about Nancy Pelosi and don't worry about the greatest uh, stock trader of all time. The greatest stock trader of all times, and and <laughs> yeah. Diane Feinstein with her Chinese spy driver driving her around for twenty years. Don't have, don't don't worry about that. Let's focus on on some nonsense that's going on, and you know. Yeah, yeah I also heard. I know. I don't. You know. I I I'm assuming it's true. I I haven't really looked into it, but they they said that guy, uh, the defense secretary, secretary Lord Lloyd Austin, is also 
a member on the board of, of Raytheon. Is that like, was, currently? Yeah. Is, is that true, or is or yeah, he was? He was. He was. Yeah, and and so oh, he was. Okay. Yeah, they, I mean, they just swap. They go back and forth, right? Like yeah. sometimes people get into the public service because, like, the pot of gold at the end of that is you get to go be on the board of Raytheon and make five hundred yeah. grand a year to go to four meetings or something like. Right. Exactly. And and also, if it's not a, a for profit military industrial complex like that. It could also be something like a think tank, like it could be uh, the Trilateral Commission, which you cannot be a member of the Trilateral Commission while you're in the administrative branch of the White House. So guys like Jake Sullivan and Anthony Blinken and Susan Rice, the people that are running the Obama or the the Biden administration, uh, they're all trilaterals that just put their membership on ice the day they went into the Biden administration. And the day they leave, they'll go pick up their membership at the trilaterals and in and circle right back in because they're only putting it on right. ice because they legally have to. But they're they're implementing that whole agenda, too, which is open borders. You know, it's it's open board. That's that's admittedly what the trilaterals want. And next thing you know, you get open borders. So so you don't necessarily have to go to work for Raytheon or Boeing like Nikki Haley. You could you go to a and you can make tank, a lot of money. Right. You could go to these mm-hmm. think tanks, too, and you get a different form. You don't necessarily get monetary. You get connections and you get respect and you get something you get something that's, that that doesn't have a price tag on it which is influence and power and all that stuff that that these psychopaths really really like and that's why they find themselves yeah. in Washington it gives them all the things that psychopaths dream of like power and control and unaccountability and access to money and access to kids and access to whatever drugs and whatever they're into they can get it and so it attracts this really bad group of people that are predisposed to do horrible shit just in general. And then you give them access to all of it and you yeah. create what yeah. we get in Washington, D.C., man. You get a bunch of a bunch yeah. of unhinged maniacs that find themselves in positions where, uh-oh, I've done something I shouldn't have done. And this guy knows about it. And now I've got to vote this way in a U.N. resolution because if I don't, the pictures come out, you know, and so that's going on too. And that doesn't get talked about. So it's like, you know, you, you look around, you make these calculations, you watch these politicians do things like vote on things and you go, Oh, maybe he's in favor of that. Man, we don't even know what's going on in that guy's head. I mean, he could be so compromised and owe so many people that he just is an empty vessel. And I suspect that most of them are. So it's, it's frustrating to watch it, but I think that the, you know, I think the more that you sort of look for those things, the more obvious it'll it'll be. You'll start to see them everywhere. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, before, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, before I get off, I'll uh, I'll I'll take the re- response off the off the phone here. But who who do you, who do you think um current has more more power, the the corporate side or the or the governmental side right now? If you had to choose one, which one you think is is more powerful? I feel like they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, don't you? Because I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I mean if you're you, a Fortune 500 CEO, like you can probably call up the president. Like you probably yeah. literally can just call the president on the phone and just right. get him on the phone. Like you can, if you're the you know Raytheon CEO, like you can just to call up the head of the Department of Defense and like just talk to them. Yes, you know. So yeah. I think they're yeah. all buddies. Like they're, it's not some compartmentalized thing, like it. No, it should true, be yeah. maybe. And but you in a you see world, that. But... 
you see that in like the 70s when you had Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld in the Nixon administration and then they go out it all all uh, during the 80s they go into like private businesses uh Cheney goes and runs Halliburton Rumsfeld goes and runs runs GD Serral and goes and runs the Rand Corporation and then they all get back together in 2000 come, now it's their turn to circle back in come in under the Bush W administration and and so it's like government big business government big business and they're self-reinforcing so it, yeah. it kind of it kind of works to uh to uh you know i mean because like as an example with rumsfeld you got this company that's trying to get aspartame passed right as a sweetener you can't do it it's giving all the mice cancer even half of them cancer and it's really bad and they're pulling all this bullshit and they're going in front of the court. And finally the judge says, you guys are out. The next time you try this, I'm going to put you guys in handcuffs and take you out of this court. And they're like, Oh man, what are we going to do? We can't get this thing passed, but we spent so judge. much money. <laughs> they hire, they go out and they hire Donald Rumsfeld to come in, be their CEO. Aspartame gets passed within 18 months and he walks away with 11 million bucks. Yeah. So that's where your influence is very valuable to corporations, to yourself, things like that. So, so it becomes this kind of pattern where people come in, they go out, they come in, they go out. And if you do it well enough and you're skilled, you're Henry Kissinger. Yeah, I guess. Um, all right, thanks, caller. All right, let's take another call here. I think I know who this is. Slav. How's it going? The only guy who calls from an anonymous number. Interesting. Uh, yeah. All right, you're uh, on with Charlie. Go ahead, Slav. Uh, Charlie, uh, how much do you know about Bolshevism? Not enough, to be honest with you. I think that there's there's a whole lot. I think I have a, a little bit of a hole in my understanding of all of this because I don't know Bolshevism inside and out. I I know enough about it to know that it 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 really sort of kickstarted some horrible shit in in the Soviet Union uh, that lasted for a very long time. But um, I. I see some similarities in it in like the ideology and the, the messaging, the keep it simple, stupid, you know, like the way the Bolsheviks adver advertised to the, 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 the uneducated farmers, it was like solidarity strength, you know, like the fist and everything, like the message got really dumbed down. And I feel like I'm starting to see some of the Bolshevik messaging going, coming out now, you know, where it's just real dumbed down and real, so, so uh, mm. I know a little bit about it, but tell yeah, us. No, I, I just, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, because I am Russian, I learned about like, like you know, my motherland's history since like I was in like middle school and shit. So I definitely learned like I, I got way into into the weeds of like the Russian Revolution and the nineteen twenties and thirties and. All the communist regime is just, uh, yeah, no, you kind of hit the nail on the head saying that, like, you do notice a lot of similarities of what is happening now. Like, people say, oh, we're in the Weimar Republic, but they're referring to, like, economic conditions. Yeah, that's, but, that's mostly just money printing thing. With, 
Yeah, with, and then with the uh, Bolshevism, you kind of see it in uh, labeling identity of people, yeah. and also the, and also in the criminal justice system. Yes. Like, for instance, one of the one yes. of the most famous things is uh, in 1926 they have like a criminal code where uh, you're legally allowed to draw your knife when your attacker is already like has you on the ground and is about to stab you from sounds above. like new york sounds like new york city to be honest yeah yeah like so like you, you they, like there is no like in 1926 there was no criminal punishment for raising your knife at somebody to rob them there was only a criminal punishment if you pulled your own knife to defend yourself way too early you kind of you feel that sort sort of bolshevism uh coming through in the in the criminal enforcement like you said like that i mean new york city i've talked about this before but new york city there is some guy who's trying to get rid of it but there is a thing here called the duty to retreat where if someone pulls a knife on you like if i walk out of my studio i'm right by madison square garden and someone pulls a knife on me legally i have to run away if i go to attack him and disarm him and maybe stab him with his knife like they're going to charge me because i could have right. run away and right. i didn't and that's a law that's codified. Like I have to run away. Oh yeah, fuck that. that! Like I can't comprehend that shit. It's not up to well, you to comprehend. You, it's just the law. You, you, They'll put you in a fucking you, box. You can comprehend Yo, fuck it. That shit. it. You can comprehend it if you if you think about it differently. If you think that it's not trying to make sense, it's trying to demoralize you. It's trying to make you feel as though you're a criminal for defending yourself, defending your 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 own right to exist that they've flipped that around on you. If they can get you to feel that you are a criminal for defending yourself, then you're broken. And if you're broken, they can control you easier. So part of this is also trying to just break your spirit to, to the point where you, you throw your hands up and go, well, we've always allowed people to steal anything under $950 in San Francisco. Of course. Uh, yes. I'll put a, a sticker on my window that says the trunk or I'll leave the trunk open in San Francisco and say, just don't break my windows. There's nothing in the car. Take a dump in the back seat if you must, but, but don't break my windows anymore. I'm, I'm tired of it. You know, th this is, when you get to a city like that, when you get the city to normalize that, what's the difference between that and Bolshevism? I mean, it, it, you're, you're, you're talking about a broken society that's just barely functioning at that point where you're either a millionaire or you shit on the sidewalk. Like yeah. there's no in between. That, that is a weird place to be. And knowing the history of like Bolshevism and Leninism and Stalinism is, um, the first of the most ardent supporters of all of communism, especially like especially during the Russian Revolution, they were the first ones to get thrown up against the wall and have their brains splattered. And then everyone that you would see right now supporting it, like young kids from like socialist Democrats of America, or bullshit that is, they would be the first ones to get thrown. And then also the what is the Communist Party? Favorite criminals, violent criminals. I mean, Stalin, that's not even his real name. It's his name is Judas Beauty because he's some sort of dirty Georgian from those mountains. He was only hired because he was a henchman and a very successful and violent robber. 
That's and this is that's what, they, what they don't understand. That's what the, that's what Antifa can never understand is that they're useful early on when the plan is to destabilize the current administration. But the minute the current administration has been changed and the new group comes in, then those people, those antagonizers like Antifa, they become a liability instead of an asset. So like Yuri Bezmenov said, they're the first to be put up against the wall and they're the last to see it coming because they think that they're really useful, but they're they're actually only useful for a small period of time. And then they undermine the, the new establishment. So the establishment realizes they have to get rid of them first. So that that's the, what the, the left, the hardcore loony left, the cultural Marxists, the Antifa types, they, that's the, what they can't understand because they've never understood history is that the the the, yeah, the mean, brown they, shirts are grown up, you know, by by Hitler to to be the ones that cause the chaos, while the SS is brought being brought up quietly as a parallel organization. And when the signal is given, the SS slaughters the brown shirts, and that's the end of them. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And then you also bring up y'all, y'all brought up Yuri Bestmanov, but I think yeah. Yuri Bestmanov, it's a little too amateur. And a little contemporary for my taste. I mean, uh, you're familiar with uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, right? I am. The yes. guy who wrote. Yeah. And he literally said, and, yeah, and he said, like, they, they control us because we know that they're corrupt and they control us and they do whatever they want. And they know that we know that about them. And we know that they know. And, you know, it's like a cycle of we understand who's really in charge due to force. And the reason I did call him, my first thing was you said that, like, the whole topic of, like, the decline of the American empire and and not just the empire, but, like, what America means to me, like, as an immigrant, like, Mm -hmm. being independent and liberty and all that. Don't you think it all sort of began with the war of northern aggression? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know when it began. I don't know. I mean, um, you think it began with like a literal inflat, like an individual inflection point. Usually, this stuff I feel is somewhat gradual. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say it's a little. Maybe there's a case to be made for that. I, yeah. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah. what is it? Abraham Abraham Lincoln is a war criminal. He literally declared, like, he refused to recognize the you know self claimed status of independence of people and then said that they're he doesn't recognize their own sovereignty declared him his own citizens and then went out and killed them only because like two percent of people of the south and the confederacy owned slaves i mean I, I, don't, I, I don't know if that's what got us here to where we are today but uh, uh, that might be a we, we we've we've lost our there's no doubt that we've lost our way and that there were there were some decisions that had been made along the way that really facilitated the destruction of America. I pointed to NAFTA as one of them. That was one of those things that like, even when it was getting talked about, I remember Ross Perot saying that, you know, talking about the sucking sound that you were going to hear of all the jobs getting sucked out of America. It wasn't like theory. It was a fact. It was, if you do this, it's going to gut America. And then Bill Clinton did it, the big smile on his face and everyone applauded and said, what a great guy you were. And the people that understood it were like, what are you doing? Like, this is what you do if you're trying to destroy America. 
Is that yeah. what you're trying to do? Are you trying to destroy America? Because if you if you if you are, this is a pretty good way to do it. So I think a lot of times we make these assumptions as well about like what the role of government is. Like oh, government's broken. Well, well, yeah, but it's kind of set up to be broken. It's kind of designed in a way that you 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 can't even really expect it to be anything but broken. Depends so who you ask. Are you familiar with how the, we want it to? How they depends, wanted it to depends work. Depends who you ask. They they might are say it works perfectly with, fine. Right. Are you familiar with the term? Uh, the purpose of the system is what it does. No. No. But I. Yeah. But I can. I think I can follow it. I mean. <laughs> so you create something, and all the effects is what you said. Like you just declare. Like that's what literally America has become, in my opinion. That. The purpose of the system is what it does, and it has nothing to do with what it's supposed to do. Just... Yeah, I think we make some. I think we make some assumptions about what America's role is, what it's supposed to do, and we're and we're also sold this like image of America. Like America's the defender. America's this. The FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigations. They defend you, and they they come in and they, and then you look at it and you go. Well, I think that the FBI is the largest domestic terrorist organization operating inside America. I think there's plenty of evidence. Yeah, the to FBI, that. the FBI, the you FBI know? on Danny's show. Uh, yeah, I had a former FBI country. agent on the show like maybe a month ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he encouraged me to uh, do not bad, not good things. But the FBI <laughs> agent did. So he probably. <laughs> former so he FBI <laughs> agent. <laughs> former. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so. So again, some of these things, we, we, we make the assumption, you go, oh, the pharmaceutical industry is there to make me healthy. And you go, really? Because they're all convicted felons. What makes you think that the end, by the way, they, there's no evidence that they make you healthy at all. In fact, it, they, they don't make money when you're healthy. They make money when you're sort of in the middle, when you're sick. And so again, like some of these institutions that we have, we just sort of go, oh, they're there for our own benefit. Oh, the tax IRS is there to raise money to pay for it. Who would build the roads? We didn't have the tax. And you're like, what? Yeah. This is dumb bullshit. <laughs> this for is sure. stupid mm -hmm. stuff they teach you in school. This isn't true. None of this stuff is true. So um and uh, the system works the way the system up. is supposed to work. And this but the problem is the system is is set up and designed to benefit the people that have influence within it, the people at the very top. And it and and it works well for them. That's why they get rich during pandemics, and that's why everyone else gets stressed out and 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 yeah. Yeah, it's uh, what, uh, you know, RFK denies, you know, the Zogs. I mean, yeah, I'll just hang up and, and uh, that uh, video of the airman, Christopher Pine himself, from the Israeli embassy. Bro, I ain't taking that shit seriously. I'm laughing that shit. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Although, if it gets a lot of people lighting themselves on fire, then... Bro, yeah, I don't believe it. We, I, they, we when I saw that, right. the first word that came in my head, the first word that came in my head was... Uh, contrived like this seems really contrived seems just like a mentally ill guy i don't know if this is uh i don't know too simplistic but it so. is a metal ass bro that should be like an app that's like the album cover on pink floyd you know but, yeah bet you know, well that better is. better that than than getting you know than taking it out on a bunch of innocent people right yeah for sure I totally, I mean, totally agree made well, his well, point he made his point it's not um 
I mean, I, I read actually just before we came on here that he was telling his friends that he, I guess he was like, um, uh, like was I don't know whatever role he did, but he had he he had heard or had had seen proof that there were actually U.S. soldiers like in the tunnels in Gaza. Oh, really? Which is there's bro, z- there's imagine, zero. I mean, imagine, the United States would deny that. Like, being, so the question is: Is he nuts, so or did he just drop the giant this giant bomb? I don't. Shell? It <laughs> yeah, doesn't right? make sense. It's like imagine being a white man in America. You're gonna burn your life away over a bunch of hook noses and magic <laughs> carpet pilots. Like, but, come but on! White like, men in America are the, are one of the largest. Uh, we're the best. Suicide, you know what? Actually, I, you, know, you know what's funny? I was trying to write a sketch about this, and then uh, I was on the suicide hotline website or whatever. I didn't even realize the extent of it. White men can uh, can make up seventy percent of all suicides. Seventy yeah. in America, crazy. Yeah. I thought I thought it was high. I didn't realize it's that high. Um, all right, slap. Thanks, dude. Slab everybody. A lot of pressure on us. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, days. yeah. So um, I want to talk about this really quickly. Uh, we we got to get out of here soon. And, and thank you again for coming on. Um, the Anarchy Convention. Yes. So Anarchapulco. Anarchapulco. Because I actually watched that documentary randomly, like probably oh, a did year you? ago. The I, I watched the whole one. The H- yeah, there's or, a documentary. Uh, there's one on Vice, and there was one that was a six-part series on the HBO. The six-part on HBO. Yeah. And it's about so for people who don't know, it's it's essentially like uh, all these like crypto people who yep. who go to this. It's in Acapulco, and then there was like people who were getting killed. But it was like I yep. think around. So ha, ha, you you went to it recently? Was it the first time you went? No. So my co-author on Controlled Demolition is Jeff Berwick, and he's been putting this on an Acapulco in Acapulco, Mexico, for ten years. It's the largest anarchist convention in the world, and it's it's a five day event, and each day is a little bit different. One day is crypto. oh, that's the oh, okay, yeah, yeah that's the main guy from yeah. it. Oh, okay, that's one, one day is uh, like uh, a- anarchism. One day is like. Uh, Vitalidad, health and wellness. One day's prepper stuff, you know, uh, getting yourself second residency, getting, uh, learning how to grow a garden, doing all that stuff. They have shaman, shamanic work there, workshops. You can go do ayahuasca. You can go do smoke bufo. You can do all kinds of crazy shit there. And I had been a speaker there on three different occasions over the last couple of years. And, um, and this year they said, asked if I wanted to host and MC it. So I did that. That was uh, the eleventh. We were the day after the Super Bowl, starting that week, and it was it was amazing. It's always a great time, but um, uh, to get to all these interesting thinkers, really fascinating. What, what people. Was the, what's the attendance like there? It's about six hundred people in person, and another couple thousand watching online. And um, you know, it's not it, so to sort of like the general disclaimer is that anarchy doesn't mean no rules. It means no rulers. And, mm. uh, and considering the batch of rulers that we've got right now, I mean, we're certainly interested in a e- easy, easy idea to sell, I guess. Yeah. Moment. Pretty easy, pretty easy. But, but if you come to it and you think that you're going to go to a Molotov cocktail throwing contest or a tire burning demonstration or something like that, you'll be pretty disappointed. I and mean, what winds up happening is that, they take buses out from the hotel to uh, to the 
nature preserve and let baby sea turtles out at night so that they don't get eaten by birds and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's really kind of, it's more, uh, I mean, there's, there's sort of a hippie component to it really sort of like, uh, especially this year, there was a real pivot towards service because Acapulco got hit by a massive category five hurricane in October and uh, the community was devastated. The Anarcapulco community, a lot of them lived down there, did a great job of getting out and coordinating supplies. Berwick raised over $400,000 in like two weeks to uh, to get supplies that were being brought in from, uh, they were sending trucks out four hours out to neighboring cities and picking up supplies and bringing them back and then distributing them on motorcycles. So they did a lot of work for the city to help get the city up and running and, and, um, and so it went off this year and it was fantastic. It was just a real amazing group of people. You get to hear from all the COVID doctors and and the the people that were very vocal about that. All the crypto guys are there. I met a crypt, an actual crypto billionaire, which was kind of cool. Wow. Uh, and then everyone at night, you know, Max Egan, who does a great show called The Crow House. Uh, Max lives down there in Acapulco now after escaping Australia. And he bought a bar that's right down the street in Bonfield Beach. And every night people were at Max's bar drinking till four o'clock in the morning and playing music and uh, talking about uh, all kinds of interesting conspiring, conspiring with our tinfoil hats. I I imagine it's a way more uh, fun, fun time when the price of Bitcoin's high. Like I imagine there must be some correlation between how the attendance and how much fun everybody's having. I've been there when it's 4,000. I've been, been there when it's 20,000 after hitting 69,000, it wasn't as much fun this year. It hit 50,000 while I was on the stage. In fact, I announced it. The place went, listen, I mean that the, these are people that are in early on a lot of things they're building. um, They're looking at the system and saying, I don't even, we're not even going to bother trying to fix the education system. Instead, we'll build something outside of it, a homeschooling program that's scalable or an unschooling program where we can kind of deprogram you. Or they had camps going on. They had like a man camp that this guy from New Hampshire was teaching kids how to do blacksmithing. I mean, crazy stuff like that. Yeah, it was really interesting. And and they have kid camps that were going on every day. And the shaman went and talked to him one day. Berwick talked to him another day. Marjorie Wildcraft from the Grow Network went and showed him how to how you know get him started learning how to grow food. So everyone kind of comes in and gives these kids an education. It's a real positive, uplifting experience with a lot of smart people, international, a lot of Canadians, a lot of people from like uh Denmark and just the UK over. and Australia, yeah. everyone wants to get out of Australia. Uh, so it's uh, in a lot of expats that live in Mexico now. So I, I, I just I love it. It's a it's a great time. It's a very, um, you know, the HBO documentary series was was pretty was pretty rough, but honest, you know, I yeah. mean, there were some problems in the in the community for sure. And there were some people that were. They were doing things I'm sure that's that like you don't do though. in Mexico, man, you don't you don't sell drugs when the cartel tells you not to sell drugs. You yeah. Just don't do that. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems to be the, essentially the main takeaway. Like at the end of you go, that's not that crazy to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and of course not to say that anybody deserved what, what happened. No, 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 absolutely. Of course. Not. But, 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 but again, there's some certain things where you just go, Ooh, like, I don't know if that would have been the smartest thing to do just in general, but I'll tell you that it, that community has really kind of come together this last year, I think was probably the best one 
The production team is really solid. They've been together for four years now. The event always goes off without a hitch. It's it's amazing. So uh, so I, I encourage people. I mean, listen, the worst thing you're in Mexico. Yeah, in you're in Acapulco. And, come yeah. on, it's you're it's it's a fun place to go, but you'll also get a nice education. You'll be you'll be around a lot of like minded people, especially if you're feeling kind of alone kind of isolated mm. like you you don't you don't have this interaction maybe your family or friends think you're a little bit crazy you go to a place like this and you go okay all right i'm not i'm not the not only totally one nuts. that feels yeah, this yeah. way so it, it it's it's always a positive thing so i encourage people to go check it out cool um all right on that note uh we're gonna wrap this up where can people find you uh, macroaggressions.io is the new website. If you go there, you'll find information about the books. You'll find information about the podcast. I do another show called the union of the unwanted with, uh, Sam Tripoli. Uh, we do that every twice a month, uh, good group round table. You can find information about that and, uh, follow me on Twitter at macroaggressions. Thanks for having very, me on, Danny. Very nice. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it very much. Let's, uh, do this again. And everybody, we're going to do an after show in about 10 to 12 10 to 15 minutes. So go hop over to the link. I will drop it in the chat uh, right now. Otherwise, new episode of The Bathhouse tomorrow night at 10.30 p.m. And, well, actually, I've got to check this poll. All right, 81% said yes. So there's a very good chance that we're going to be doing the show on Monday nights and The Bathhouse on Tuesday nights going forward, which works so much better for my life. Uh, all right, hold on. Let me just drop this in the chat, and then we're going to wrap. Uh, what did I do here? All right, I just lost it. Um, all right. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Like I said, need a producer, patreon.com slash low value mail. Help <laughs> me do that. It would really help a lot. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Good night, everyone. Thank I'll you see did. some of you soon over on the after show. Peace. Empathic abilities, yeah, my face be also stolen. Beat blow up, nigga, that just means I'm working. They see me as a leader, so that's why I'm Captain Kirkin. These charts from the stars, that much is for certain. You can feel this here if you up or if you hurt. I'm raising my stock, not talking my feet and some burkin. Number Johnny Five got a fucking short circuit. Bring the track to life when I speak phenomenal. When I hit, she feel that shit in her abdominals. These rappers make me laugh like comic view, they comic view. You know I got a ball out, I hit the track running just like Sonic do. They don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah. Turn on my light switch. Yeah, and they tried to down me up some KO type shit. Yeah, they don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah, now we pulling up fresh on some flight shit. Ha. They don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah, they don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah. They don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah, they was trying to get me on my hype shit. Yeah, they don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah, now they tried to down me up some KO type shit. Yeah, they don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah.